Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert. Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup. Hey, I'm Scott Pipe. Hi, I'm Nick Perkett. You are listening to Inside Supercars. For sure, I think if I get to drive more and more and more, uh, for sure, you know, I'm going to feel more comfortable. I nearly told him to calm down in the end. I'm like, mate, you're making me stressed. I'm stressed enough as is. In 2014, Chaz Mostert and Paul Morris won Bathurst. The race finished at almost 6.30 and 5.2 million people were watching at the end of that race. So a quarter of the Australian population watched Chaz win that race. That's a pretty you know, compelling figure to, to drop on anybody. <laughs> From the racetracks across Australia and around the world, here's Inside Supercars. Good evening, Tony. As we get set for another busy weekend of racing, it should be interesting to see what might happen up there in Townsville. Will we see a new winner? Will we see the same old firm? And funny thing about supercars is it's normally the same old firm, isn't it? Oh, yes, indeed. Well, in fact, it's interesting because here we go to uh, event seven of the year. Well, the eighth event, but the seventh of the championship with races 13 and 14. And we see uh, fascinating that uh, around this uh, 2.86-kilometre track, we have two 200k races. And that um, this is already Dick Dick Johnson uh, team, the Johnson Racing Team, and now Penske combined with it, the best of the year since 1995 when John Bell won the championship. Better than when they won the championship in 2010. Indeed, indeed, better than. They've won seven of the 12 races, had 14 podiums of uh, 36 potentially, um, and so and they're showing great speed with both their cars, which wasn't the case back in 1995. Dick, unfortunately, was not quite in the top echelon, even though their cars were good. So it's a fascinating weekend. Um... One of the agenda items this week was that uh, the uh, change of tyre spec for Bathurst. We had problems at Phillip Island, which was one of three events, I believe, they were going to be running the soft tyre from last year. Um, that uh, The problems at Phillip Island with uh, engineering setups, with cambers and tyre pressures, meant we saw too many blowouts. And we had a couple of them Darwin, I believe, as well. So they've changed and decided to go use last year's Bathurst tyre. Yeah, an interesting decision, but you always do err on the side of safety. What is also very interesting is that they had tried a couple of other tyres, which mustn't have mustn't have given them the security they needed. Well, the unfortunate thing was that the test day at Phillip Island, which would have been in time for them to actually finalise early this year which tyre they're going to use for those three events, Unfortunately, that, that uh, test at Phillip Island, which is the only other track that's got the high-speed corners we need to test the Bathurst, it was rained out. And that while they did test the tyres at Queensland Raceway, it's just you nowhere near the lows they put on the tyres, and so therefore it had to be abandoned. And so this time they're actually going to schedule a test for next year, next year's Bathurst tyre. But the great news is that they've got a very good tyre there, and uh, they'll get good results. Um, Kevin Fitz must be feeling like he's in a bit of a, uh, a time warp with this thing because when he was with Bridgestone back uh, last century, he went through similar things. And that was the same thing again, back when HRT were putting on lots of camera on the front of their cars and, and blowing tyres, blowing tyres because too much load on the inside edge. Anyway, so that's one of the, the good things that uh, happened. 
it's an interesting event this weekend because Jason Bright becomes just the fourth driver to join the 250 Club. A lot of experience, a lot of racing, not as many wins, not a championship, but an extremely competitive man, maybe you know, in his latter years, but uh, he's still doing 250 events, and PRA, the team he drives now for again, and it's their 200th since they joined the series. And, of course, originally it was FTR and FPR and then became PRA a couple of years back. So that's interesting to see. The other thing that's happening this weekend, of course, is that it's round four of eight of the Dunlop Super 2 series, which is fantastic to see the way in which the uh, cars from the main series are coming across. This weekend, it's wonderful to see Bryce Forward getting on board the same spec cars that his teammates will be in, that's Jack LeBrock and Shea Davies, run under a Mackie White Motorsport banner. And it's great for his 19-year-old to get a chance in a very competitive car. In fact, so competitive that it was the car that was on pole with Rick Kelly in Darwin. Really wonderful. Interesting also that we have got those drivers that had that bit of extra racing action over there in the uh, in the wild cards and to see how that translates when they get back into the, the slightly detuned supercars of the Super 2 Series. Yeah, indeed. And look, it's a wonderful track for Townsville 1. I mean, I, from the right from the first time I went there, it's just a, a great combination of street circuit and permanent circuit. The permanent circuit being built there and each year is put aside under mothball, so to speak, while the, uh, the roads that run through the uh, main streets of uh, Townsville become uh, the major event. But it uh, seems also that uh, Supercars is another thing happening this weekend, which has been a little bit sort of stillborn in some ways. That's until Ross Stone became involved because of Supercars and the Super Ute series. Um, so that sees the debut this weekend of two of the cars that he and Pace Innovations have uh, developed. Two of the third uh, of all, I suppose, uh, dual cab utes with a turbo diesel spec, which is the new spec for next year when they'll have up to six different models running in the series. It should be uh, pretty amazing and certainly interesting to see this weekend what they'll uh, how they'll perform. Now, I thought they got pushed back to 19, not 18. Look, I think it could be next year because uh, next weekend they are going to be announcing not only showing the spec of the cars but also what their calendar will be and things like that. Now, they wouldn't normally have that organised unless it was for next year. Mm. Yeah, fair point, yeah. Yeah, so so that's fantastic to see. Um, The other news is mostly uh, overseas news uh, with... uh, Shane Van Gisbergen and picking up a fourth place at Watson's Glen. Great to see they got a result there because uh, he had two previous trips there to the Daytona 24 and to the um, the other one was, uh, I can't remember what the other race was. Laguna Seca, wasn't it? No, it wasn't Laguna, it was on the other coast. Anyway, mm. so that was his third event in the year with WeatherTech uh, Mercedes and he got a fourth place. So that's terrific. So now he's... Uh, Left that series at uh, his events overseas for the year. Other than he's hoping to be in New Zealand, uh, running in maybe the uh, penultimate and final round of the Australian GTs uh, at Thailand Park in uh, November. So that's uh, the news that's around on the agenda. And after the break, Fabian Coulthard, who sits in a very strong position in the championship, leading the points with his teammate Scotty McLaughlin not far behind. Join in the conversation, post your thoughts on our Facebook page and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.
www.inside.com.au. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think it's a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Bet Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian Times since we've been back, and we're unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm David Reynolds. And you're listening to Inside Supercars. And welcome this week to Inside Supercars. Fabian Coulthard, the points leader of the 2017 Championship. Welcome on board, Fabian. G'day, how are you going? Not in uh, enjoying the, the weather you are. You're already in Townsville, ready for another weekend? Yeah, pretty excited. Uh, and it's nice to come to Townsville. Um, the weather's traditionally pretty good here. Uh, I arrived here this morning and... I had a bit of a chance just to see a few sights. Nothing overly, you know, no, nothing overly planned, but, you know, just, just to chill out and have some time alone. You're working, in, as you have done, with some very professional teams in the last few years, but does um, the... Do they put more demands on you for appearances or having such a high-profile company as uh, Shell as a major sponsor? Yeah. Of uh, you know sponsor appearances and you know looking after our partners um, at each and every event. So I'd say it's probably the most I've had to do of years. Um, but look, you know it's all part of the job, and you know with success comes all those other expectations as well. So you know thankfully we've we've had a good year up until this point. So obviously we need to remain consistent, and and hopefully the demand for us and um, will be pretty good for the remainder of the year. You um, have uh, shared, in fact, with the other person who will be on the show this week, Tim Slade, uh, you've both been through the Walkinshaw Brad Jones Racing, uh, climbing the ladder, um, and in some ways uh, I think Brad and Kim have joked about you've now graduated joining Penske's. Um, you, you obviously enjoyed your time at Brad Jones. Yeah, I had a great time there. Um, you know, I've obviously going through... Uh, the Walkinshaw stable, and and then Brad, you know, picked me up and took me on for 2012, and it really springboarded my career. Um, you know, I had some great Albury outfit, um, and yeah, put me in a position to you know to come to to DJR Team Penske or Shelby Power Race and show my skills here. But you know, it's, I've I've had my fair share of uh, teams that I've tried, driven for in the past, but you know, definitely Brad's. I had some good success. Yeah, indeed. And um, the, the one thing that they have, of course, is that uh, because it's a country team and it's a family-based team, it, it, there's a lot more building environment, I would think. Yeah, um, I know. I know. Brad hates to be called the underdog um, or yeah. punch above their weight. You know, I, I know Brad hates that for a fact. But you know, they put the money into the right areas, um, yeah. and you know, that's into the cars and. And to get them to perform at the best they possibly can, and you know, every time I hopped in the car with Brad, they were very reliable. Um, you know, all the resources I needed were there, and you know, they, I think, and at times that showed that with the results that we got. So, you know, they're a great outfit. Um, you know, they've got some good guys there with Tim and Nick now. Uh, so, yeah, I expect some good things to happen from that little team. Indeed, one of the things that you enjoyed there, you you sort of uh, have ended up with in Phil Keed. You've been together now as a pair for how long? Five years? Yep, five years. So uh, it's been a, a long relationship, uh, you know, one that works well. Um, we've had some good success, uh, you know, at Brad's and, 
and now it shall be power racing. So for us to you know, keep that partnership going, um, you know, it's uh, engineer driver combo is you know, plays a big part. So you know, I'm really happy that uh, I've been able to work with Will uh, with Phil for so many years, and hopefully yep. many. How do you look at uh, how do you look at that relationship and did that make the transition to Shell V Power Racing or DJR Team Penske much easier than it potentially could have been if you just had have gone in and were parachuted into a team cold? It was pretty ironic how it happened because um, you know Phil um, you know got approached or he approached Team Penske and and uh, and then decided that he was going to leave DJR and. You know, come to a point where I was doing the same thing, but we kind of did it on our own accord. So um, yeah, to be paired with Phil was fantastic. Um, but yeah, it wasn't wasn't a planned thing, but you know, it happened to fall into, fall into place that way. Now, of course, you are actually a English born driver, and you, of course, uh, claim the mantle of New Zealand, uh, unless the All Blacks aren't doing well. Do you see yourself as a New Zealander, or do you see any loyalty back to the motherland? Oh, for me, um, you know, I only spent 11 months in England, so uh, I did all my schooling and everything like that in New Zealand. Um, I don't remember the move that well, obviously moving to New Zealand at 11 months old, but you know, I've, I've done everything there. Um, I used to have the email Kiwi Coltart, uh, you know, so I regard myself as a Kiwi. And you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, they're the other ones, and that's where I did all did all my growing up and things like that. So yeah, I regard myself as a Kiwi. Where did you start? Where did you start racing, and how how did you get involved in the first instance? I started um, go karting when I was six years of age uh, in New Zealand. So uh, for my sixth birthday, a go kart rocked up, and my father made me do you know six hundred laps um, just at a local go kart track before I was able to do a race. Uh, and sort of my <laughs> my career progressed from there. So um, you know, it starts off as a hobby. And then obviously it grows into something much greater. And as a kid, you know, I always wanted to be a professional racing driver. But you know, you have to have your element of luck and, and make the most of opportunities and things like that along the way. So you know, thankfully, I've I've been able to make a career of motor racing, and you know, I'm, I'm doing what I love, and that's racing cars. So you know, pretty lucky. Was your father, uncle, grandfather involved in motor racing of any sort? Um, my father always wanted to do it. Um, you know, but you know, we never really came from a a wealthy background and, you know, how much wealth helps, um, you know, this expensive sport. Well, I guess my father, Ricky, is sort of living the dream through me a little bit, um, which is you know, pretty cool to say that we've all done it as a family and done it together and and, uh, and finally made it to the V8 to the, Supercars. What was the sliding doors moment for you when it was, I'm going to be a professional racing driver or I'm going to go off and pursue this other interest, which isn't my passion, but it's how I was going to feed my family or, or you know, make a living. Yeah, that was a big thing um, for mum and dad as I was growing up. It was, you know, you've got a dream of, of being a professional racing driver, but, you know, the dream may not work out. So you need to obviously do everything right at school and, and pass all your school certificate at the, t- at the time when I was back at Rangitolo College in New Zealand. And I then... Decided, you know, that you know, obviously schooling is important, but you know, I always wanted to live the racing dream, and I was always good with my hands. You know, I was good with everything hands on that school, so I decided that I was going to become a marine cabinet maker um, on luxury super yacht. So 
that's what I sort of started. I started an apprenticeship doing that. Um, and, you know, I've got sort of a, a fair way down the track of doing that apprenticeship, but thankfully, you know, racing took over and I was able to, you know, live the dream that way. And more from Fabian Coulthard on an interesting story after this break. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two lap the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Begley in the final, which uh, we were able to um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptors and the family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup. Hi, I'm Nick Perkett. You are listening to Inside Supercars. And um, tell me, have you ever met um, David Coulthard? I've met him uh, a couple of times. The first time was back in 2002 at the Australian Grand Prix when I was racing Formula Ford. Yep. Um, so that, that was my first introduction to David and and I uh, got to meet him for the first time. So yeah, I've met him a couple of times since then, but uh, you know, only on a, a short basis. And um, are you distantly related? Second cousin. So uh, right. you know, it's, okay. a, it's a fair way down the track, but you know, at the end of the day, there's... Not too many Colthards out there, and uh, yeah, we're definitely related. Indeed. And is there a, um, a, a uh, what do you call it, tartan for the Colthards? A what, sorry? A tartan. Isn't it a Scottish name? Uh, um, oh, I know, that's getting pretty deep. I know, it's my last <laughs> okay, right. I'm not sure about any tartans. Aren't they skirts? <laughs> so no, not skirts. You, you, not skirts. Fabian, with the uh, fact that you would so far down the road in the apprenticeship, does that mean all the furniture in the in the twins' rooms is going to be handmade and and uh, lovingly crafted together? Well, that'd be in an ideal world, but unfortunately, all my tools and everything right out are back in New Zealand. So uh, I think it's uh, probably just easier to buy it at this stage. <laughs> all right. Well, let's get back to the motor racing subject, and that would be this year. You're having a, a great year. You've had the wins. You've had the one-twos and things like that for the team. Um, what's the difference this year versus last year? Um, you know, I think it's lots of little things. Um, obviously, Ludo's come in with some great ideas and and uh, played a, a big part. But I think it's lots of other little things, like both both drivers working together as you know a driving group to you know to move the team forward that way. The engineering group's doing a fantastic job working together. Um, and we've got two cars going in a similar direction. Where you know we all know how competitive. Um, supercars can be um, and is so. You know, it's important to have you know both of those cars working together. But you know, to to have the success that we've had doesn't come from just driving a car. It comes from the team that both Scotty and I have behind us, and you know, that's all the boys and girls at Shelby. Um, done a fantastic job to you know to turn the team around. We had some success last year with um, odd races here and there, but we really struggled for the consistency. But now, this year we've really managed to turn that around and we've got good consistent cars and you know, it's nice to be able to go to events knowing that we're going to be there or thereabouts, not wondering if you know we're going to be fast enough. So uh, this year's been great. Obviously it's been awesome for my confidence. Um, you know, it's repaid all the guys' faith within the team and, and things like that. So you know, we just need to keep doing what we're doing. We've got some tough competition. You know, we've got a long way to go to 
beat the likes of Triple Eight with you know winning the last seven of the eight championships or six of the eight championships and things like that. So yeah, look, we just need to continue, keep our head down, remain focused, and uh, hopefully come November we're somewhere close. You and Scotty obviously knew each other quite well beforehand. I'm not suggesting you socialise as such, but um, you obviously very comfortable with him and having him as your teammate. Yeah, it's good. Um, you know, we get along along well outside of the car, and you know we're fierce rivals in the car. But you know, if you look at all the all the Penske drivers around the world at IndyCar and NASCAR, every one of them is capable of winning a race at any at any one, at any given point. So, you know, to have um, Scotty in the garage next door, um, you know, I like to think I can to his speed sometimes, and you know, I and he helps me with things at other times. So, you know, we've got. Know, a fast guy in the garage next to me, um, so it's good to have that information and vice versa. Do you like similar things in a car? Sorry? Do you like similar attributes in a car? Yeah, you know, the cars are similar. Um, I wouldn't say they're identical, but, you know, the the thing, like any, any V8 supercar drivers talk, talked about, you know, how the cars don't turn as well as they would like. Um, yep. You know, and that partly comes from, you know, the diff that we use. So uh, it's trying to get the, the, the most things that you like of each and every car. Um, you know, I think, you know, it's nice going to each and every track, um, having the consistency that we've had this year, and, and I think that's making the difference. This year, Fabian, you've got a playbook that seems to be working really, really well with the new tyre. What's it mean to go to Bathurst? and jump back onto the 2016 tyre. Are you and Phil, have you spoke about that? Have you gone, gee, we had good good feeling with the old tyre, or gee, that's a disappointment because this new tyre is so much better? What's your read on, on that change? At the end of the day, it's same for everybody. So um, uh, we were able to go to Bathurst last year and we had a competitive car. So, um, yeah, look, at, like I say, everyone's in the same boat. We've all got the same challenges that we have to face and, if it means that we're going back to the old tyre, like they've said, then so be it. And you talked about the team dynamic there. Have you had any thought, even in the back of your mind, about if this gets close and it's my teammate that I'm racing, will that change how Scotty and I react and, and how we interact? Uh, not really. You know, at the end of the day, when we win. Um, so, yeah, look, you know, if it come down to first and second in the championship at the end of the year, I think that would be a fantastic outcome for the team and you know, it would be a pretty good performance. So at the end of the day, like I say, when the team wins, we win and you know that's what we keep in the back of our mind. Um, just uh, looking beyond this year and you know it would appear that the team is certainly going to be up there at the very end fighting for the championship. Um, would it be possible that you'd consider going to New Zealand for the Grand Prix in February? Yeah, I read that the other day. Um, that I was looking at doing that. It's the first I've heard of it, to be honest. Um, yeah. you know, I've been fortunate enough to win New Zealand Grand Prix years ago um, yep. in Formula Ford. So, uh, yeah, look, I, I, you'd have to evaluate if, if that was a realistic thing that was going to happen. But, you know, obviously my main focus at the moment is um, racing supercars here in Australia and you know, I've got lots of goals and things that I want to achieve there first. Yeah, have you um, got anything other than any uh, GT racing on your schedule? Um, this year, no, not at the moment. Um, you know, Are you the right your contract from No, we're not not excluded. Um, obviously, we have to run everything uh, past Roger and Tim and Ryan here in yep. Australia um, to get approval and things like that. But uh, having, uh, um, we generally find that 
some cars or some series are sponsored by uh, a competition or a competitor um, oil or fuel or something like that, which makes yep. our life a little bit tougher than uh, you know, some of the others. But you know, if the right opportunity arose and, and nothing clashed and I got the approval, then yeah, I'd be more than happy to do it. So it comes from tracking itself, somewhere a track you like. You've had some success there? Yeah, I have had some success here. Um, you know, we qualified on the front row. Um, we've been on the podium here a few times with, with BJR. So... Um, yes, yeah, a great circuit. It's 85% purpose-built for us, um, being supercars with the, the Parklands-type setup, kind of like the Grand Prix. Um, yeah, so it's a great little track. Um, you know, it provides pretty good racing. Strategy becomes quite important here. If, you know, you can make or break your race. And obviously, having two competitive cars, um, you know, we run the risk of, of stacking and things like that. So that's something else we need to think about. Yeah, indeed. Well, certainly been wonderful to have you on the show, Fabian. Uh, I look forward to catching up in person later in the year. Uh, have a great weekend. We'll certainly be sitting back and watching and enjoying you having a great time in the sun. So, thank yeah, you very I'm, much, Fabian. It's uh, from no, no Inside Supercars. No worries. Thanks, guys. And on Inside Supercars, after the break, we'll have our final thoughts with Craig Lavelle and Tony Whitlock. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. And, you know, every, every year I see Jackie Stewart at the Grand Prix and I just remind myself of, of his part in, in starting the, the path to safer cars. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Jack Brabham certainly left his mark, not only on Australian motorsport, but motorsport all around the world. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. And welcome back to Inside Supercars. It's certainly an interesting world inside the driver's mind and what they do to keep themselves refreshed and ready for another season. Yes, I'm, re- I'm reading a book uh, that uh, I know you're not a huge fan of the author in Dennis Jenkinson, but uh, he actually wrote a book in the, what would it be, late 50s, early 60s about what is a racing driver and how uh, even though they might be on a Formula One grid, they might not actually be racing drivers and in, is diagnosing the mindset, the physical abilities and, and, uh, and has a whole list of attributes that make up a racing driver and uh, certainly his point of view is uh, is is quite out there but he has psychologists and all sorts of uh, people all putting in uh, their their little piece on how you can tell the difference between someone who drives a car fast and someone who's a racing driver that's not my final thought my final thought is Street races. Townsville has been a very successful street race. Adelaide, of course, is a, a hugely successful street race. Canberra, I would say Homebush and obviously Hamilton have been less than successful street races. Do we know what makes a successful street race? I might ponder that question to Richard Crowell and he might even be able to uh, knock up a few words on his website. But uh, I would suggest to you that it needs to be the right mix of size of city and location. And if you can have a mix of both of those, the right size of the city and the the right location, then you've probably got a successful street race. If you have any one of those parts missing, then, uh, well, I don't think you're going to have success. I I concur with your comments. In fact, I'll sort of back them up slightly because I think particularly uh, Townsville, but also Hamilton had, um, 
a great pent-up demand for a major event, a major motorsport event as well. And that, that's what homeless didn't have. There was no pent-up demand. There was no one sort of saying, gee, it would be great to have these things here. Whereas I think that will happen in Newcastle. I think with the Hunter Valley on its doorstep, but Hamilton, I think you'd agree, had the problem of the first year had some very major structural mistakes. Oh, yes. And that then burnt the rest of the years that it was there. Likewise, Canberra had some major structural mistakes, one being Queen's birthday in Canberra when it's freezing cold here, um, and the other being that it just completely interrupted the entire government section of the Parliamentary Triangle. Great location, but it was wrong because it built up too much resentment from people who have a lot more authority than the government that was actually putting the event on. And you had an opposition that was about to become government that was absolutely against anything that might be considered bourgeois and part of the uh, ruling elite's uh, interest and enjoyment. My final thought involves our New Zealand cousins, and they are very close to me. My father is a New Zealander, in that uh, we have three very successful ones in the series now, running at the very top of the tree, and that on a world stage, New Zealand punches so far and has done since the 1950s. You know, Bruce McLaren held the record for over 30 years as the youngest ever Formula One winner as a 19-year-old. And the great thing is there are so many drivers, such as the Le Mans winning pair of um, Earl Bamber and uh, Brendan Hartley, and other international drivers, such as Chris Vanderdrift, R3. And the great thing that's happening is that the Toyota Series, which has been an unanimous success around the world, because we have Formula One drivers like Daniel Kiviat and Lance Stroll, both came through that Toyota series, and there are a line every year of Europeans, Americans, all lining up to join that series. And now the New Zealand series, they're looking to get as many of the, of the successful New Zealand drivers back to go to the New Zealand Grand Prix in February. It's the weekend after the 12 hours, so there'll be a bunch of drivers who'll be well and truly tuned up. And it could be that Shane, Fabian, and Shoddy will be over there. All of them have had. Uh, numerous successes in open wheelers, some of them a long time ago, but great success in open wheelers, and that I'm sure that they would add enormously to the field that would make an event that I'm certainly going to make sure I'm at on the 9th to the 10th to 11th of February at Manfield over on the uh, coast of New Zealand. So it should be great and wonderful to see, and if only we had a series that could draw to the same degree as they were doing and have done for 10 years or more in New Zealand. Mm. That's it for another week of Inside Supercars. We hope you enjoy the show and thank you from me. And good night from him. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.